0: We believe that we are logical, rational human beings that are capable of being objective. And here's the danger in it. Because we believe that we are capable of detaching ourselves from our emotions and our feelings, We believe that pure rationality or logic is possible. The moment we claim our power back, we understand that it's impossible for us to be objective. We become more objective. Then you have a fair chance to actually really connect with them and understand of who you are.
1: Welcome. You're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and tips from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or relationships to just living better and with more energy, or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts, and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Let's go. Hey, you're on air with Ella, and I am joined today by guest Kinga Manish. Hi, Kinga. How are you? Hi,
0: Ella. Thanks so much for having me.
1: You say your name so much more beautifully than I do. Will you please say your name for everybody? (laughs) Sure. It's Kinga Monich. Ella, it is uh, indeed. You know what? It's a
0: Polish name. And no matter where I've been and lived in the world, people have actually trouble pronouncing it. Even to, to the point where my husband is like, sometimes he's like, "Don't you want to just like change it into something? Just drop, you know, some some <laughs> letters out of it?" Or I
1: actually think it's so important to really listen and learn how to say people's names and say them correctly. And yet there are some sounds, Kinga, that my mouth just will not make. So thank you for your grace. <laughs> you know, and
0: uh, I was teaching in South Africa for almost five years, uh, and uh, I had beautiful, beautiful students with beautiful names, and it took me ages to pronounce them correctly. So I know the other side.
1: We're all learning. We're all learning here. Uh, Kinga, would you please tell everybody who you are and what you do? Sure.
0: I am by trade a social psychologist and researcher, and I work right now as a consultant, mostly with founders and CEOs uh, focusing on women currently and help them to reconnect with the emotions so they can overcome burnout and anxiety and then lead their teams into success. So There's more to that, but that's the, you know, the short summary of it.
1: So we're going to talk about a whole range of things today, but some of those things include, you know, are your emotions defining who you are or how are your emotions impacting you and your actions and how to gain freedom from emotions that almost, I would imagine, Kinga, feel like they are in charge of you sometimes. (laughs) Before we do that, will you tell us a little bit about what led you here? Because you have such a diverse background. I find it fascinating.
0: Yeah, sure. You know, it's a good question. And it's really almost difficult to say where it started. But for me, the journey when it comes to emotions started when I was a teenager. And just for myself, kind of like figuring out, you know, who I am and what I'm feeling. Uh, because quite often I would hear people say that I was either unemotional or angry or what whatever it was, you know, or too emotional. I, I love that one. <laughs> and um so Somewhere along the lines, while I was in university, I had an amazing professor and he came to me and he said, you know what, you should be focusing on emotions. And I'm like, that's odd. Why? You know, like (laughs) I'm not sure if that's necessarily something that I want to do, but I did. So I wrote my master thesis already on emotions or actually on the practices of emotions. So taking or moving away a little bit from the perception of that we are just feeling our emotions and that emotions are within us and more into the real world. So how can we see them? How can we make emotions visible? And that's not something that we usually talk about, right? We usually talk about uh, body language. We talk about how we speak and how we communicate, but we never talk about, for example, doing and being angry, you know, or doing and being loved. And so I came across this entire field of study that was started mostly by Arlie Hochschild, and she's the um, author of The Second Shift. And uh, she introduced the concept of emotional labor. So a lot of a lot of people that work, for example, as a flight attendant or anywhere in the service industry, they modulate and control how they are expressing their emotions in order to communicate something different than what's going on within them. Actually, you know, and most of us, we we are you know aware to it to a certain degree. And let's say you have a coworker that is annoying, and you need to stay you know civil with that person. And it's, you know, like what we're doing is trying to, you know, seem to be someone else in that moment by, by showing a different, uh, a different emotion. Now with that, I took that a little bit to the next level. Um, I went to South Africa and in South Africa, I did my PhD on masculinity and emotions. And the question on how do we form our own identity through the understanding of emotions?
1: I would love to get some definitions on the table. I'm already intrigued. I want to talk about how you define emotions versus feelings and what the differences are.
0: So, okay. Now, emotions are, in fact, simple chemical reactions within your body, while feelings are your personal interpretations of that reaction based on your individual social, cultural, and circumstantial experiences. So to bring it into more common words, emotions basically means energy in motion. And it comes from the Latin word emoto. And I I love that. Like just the simplicity of it, you know, knowing that something is moving within you. And if you bring it to a different understanding, also, it means basically the only way not to feel is when you are not alive anymore. You need emotions because emotions is what helps you to go throughout the day. Like you, this is how you're sensing. This is how you're regulating everything within you. And feelings is the understanding of it. And so what I am right now working on is to understand that, for example, the complicated or so fearful um, emotion of anger, you know, especially when it comes to women. I think for a lot of men, it's easier to, to communicate about your anger. I think anger is actually a really important emotion and it's also a positive and uplifting emotion if understood correctly as women we have been f- for, uh, you know prohibited from experiencing anger right because we are here in order to support our families in order to put aside our own dreams and inspirations you know and be there for everyone else and then if everyone else have been has been served then you know it's our turn which sometimes just never <laughs> never comes along so you cannot ha- you cannot be angry because everything that you're doing is in, in in serving others so why would you be angry about that but here's the thing things have changed of course you know i mean we are i mean you and i we're both entrepreneurs right we have our own businesses uh, and we have our own inspirations and anger understood correctly is just the inner sign that someone has stepped over your boundary so if you know that this is what anger means, then you can take it a little bit further by understanding, okay, these are my boundaries and they are based on these values. And now I'm going to be speaking up for that because I need to recreate that boundary in order to also ensure that I, as a person, I am recreating my own integrity. It's all about integrity.
1: This is so important. Integrity is something that I talk about a lot recently because one thing that I like to point out is when we first hear the word integrity, we think of honesty, like it's a synonym for honesty. And I like to remind us that integrity shares the same root as integrated. And true honesty, so to speak, is when you can show up as your whole self, right? Like that's the truest most authentic way to live. If you remember eighth grade math, an integer (laughs) is a whole number. I want to show up in life as an integer. (laughs) That's my new resolution. No, but do you see, I mean, even when you're saying it like
0: that, you know, it's just so important because we talk or you hear also a lot of people nowadays using specific slogans, you know, in terms that are just fancy, fancy marketing terms. And some of these terms, I feel like, you know, they've been sometimes taken in and digested all over again. Like Uh, what? Authenticity for example. Mm -hmm. And I do think like authenticity, I think is beautiful in itself, right? I think that, you know, to be authentic, but when you ask yourself the question, what does it mean to be authentic? You know? So it's also this thing when, when people say, you know, so you can become
1: yourself,
0: what does it mean?
1: I really appreciate that you highlighted anger, even just saying the word anger or saying that it's okay to feel anger, there's some part of us that's like, it's not okay. (laughs) I, I was having a conversation just yesterday with a friend. She kept being available to this other person's emotions. So she keeps making herself available to this other person's emotions it's like she feels it's her job to make him feel better. And I said, well, have you ever felt anger in that dynamic? Like, have you ever felt like, wait a minute, like, have you, has it ever occurred to you? I don't mean that in a critical way. Has it ever occurred to you that you don't have to be available for everybody else's emotions and you're actually allowed to dial into your own? Does that make any sense at all?
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. I have so much to say about that. So here's the thing, you know, and I do that sometimes and it makes people furious, but I tell them, I'm like, till you understand your emotions correctly, and you really know that what you're feeling is truly what you're actually feeling, I don't want you to share your emotions with me because it's not okay for you to unload your stuff on me while you are actually still trying to figure out in that process what you are feeling and what is being expected of you to feel. So that are two different things, right? So we have again, just to maybe come back to this, to this difference, the emotion that is happening within us, you know, that that energy that is flowing, that is not positive, it's also not negative. It's just energy. Now we are starting to label it by how we are interpreting it and what kind of memories we are attaching to it, but also what kind of cultural expectations we are attaching to it. Sometimes through trauma and anxiety and depression or whatsoever, all of this gets just so mixed up that whatever is coming out of us is not really what is happening within us.
1: So, do you mean, okay? And I don't know if this is what you mean. So, please correct Mm -hmm. me. We might be feeling, we might be having an emotion, which you're saying is essentially a chemical response, Mm -hmm. but feelings are contextual. Feelings are based on our environment, on our understanding of what's happening, which might be anchored to childhood trauma or our cultural norms, et cetera, et cetera. And so we might be feeling one, excuse me, we might be experiencing one emotion and it is being expressed in a different way. Well, sure. You think about it. Someone might be afraid or insecure, but they're expressing themselves as angry or combative.
0: That and also sometimes you might be angry, but because you've been, you know, you've been not expressing your anger, it has turned into anxiety for example you know anger usually turns into anxiety and causes depression in the long term i mean we have studies for that so the thing is um, there was an author and he wrote something and i thought it was it was so simple but so significant most of the time throughout the day we are living in the past because we are going into a situation and we are interpreting and living that situation ba- based on our past experiences and that's the same thing what we are doing with emotions we are interpreting them on past experiences and past memories. So for example, just to give you an example, right? I had a client, you know, let's name her Susie. Susie uh, was continuously afraid of the person that she was working for. And I couldn't, you know, like in our conversations, I wasn't sure if she was reacting just to triggers or if he was truly that mean person that she was portraying it. Now we had a couple of different aspects in it. There was, for example, different cultural background. You know, some um, language uh, language issues because they were coming from different uh, languages and also also. But I figured out that she was having, well, in the past, she had unfortunately very traumatic experiences with men and. There were specific things that her boss was doing that was just triggering the same memory. So she never gave him actually a chance to meet him and get to know him for who he was because she was continuously just reacting to something that was still within her unprocessed. And look, we don't need to go to therapy for any of that. I think what we need to do is in these moments is start becoming aware and be also take responsibility for our own thoughts in that moment and and what's happening within us and not and I'm not saying responsibility because I don't want to acknowledge what you went through. On the contrary, taking responsibility means that you understand that no one can take away your own power. And you have, to, you have to stand in your power in that moment to understand, you know what, the way I'm reacting right now, I apologize, I need a second. And then maybe even, you know, talk about that. But just to kind of like stop victimizing yourself also to a certain degree. I think that, that that's quite often, you know, an underlying story.
1: I really like to talk about the power of accountability because it's not about saying, it's my fault, it's my fault. It's really about saying, I own this. I can change it at any time. What, what a different vibration in your body that creates to say, I own this. I choose to see it and I choose to own it. It's so different than, oh, this is my fault.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you're saying that, honestly, I mean, like I'm getting goosebumps because I think of all the people, you know, that did it in front of me, you know, that made that step. And it's just really remarkable how it changes the outlook on your life.
1: You said something else that blew my mind when we were chatting earlier, and I'd love for you to share it here. You said that we talk about fear a lot, and I always say that fear can wear a lot of different outfits, meaning you might think it's just procrastination or perfectionism, or and there are lots of outfits, <laughs> but fear can show up wearing any number of outfits. You say there are three layers of fear. Will you explain that to us?
0: Mm-hmm. And um, before I go into it, I do want to give um, Susan Jefferson, actually the credit, Jefferson, sorry, Susan Jeffers, the credit for it, because this woman was incredible. She passed away, unfortunately, but a lot of the work that we see, every work comes from her. And she wrote this incredible book, uh, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. In the 80s, you know, she said there's the general fear, right? The fear of, you know, you could fall down a tree when you go up, you could be run uh, over by a car, you know, someone could steal something from you. So she calls it more so like a realistic fear because it can happen. It happens to others. You might have seen it, right? It's, it's it's there it's visual and there's a second level of fear and that is the fear that you are afraid that someone is not going to like you that someone is not going to like your work that someone is going to reject you that you're not going to be successful and so on right and now we have Terms such as imposter syndrome, you know, that someone would label it, it, but technically we're just still talking about a fear. And then the last one is the fear of, of not being able to overcome what's coming your way. So it is, I can't handle it you know it's really the fear of i can't handle it so there's no outside indicator you're not afraid to be judged but you are now judging yourself and you're fearing that you won't that you won't have what it takes to do a job or you you don't have what it takes to create your own business or whatever it is you know it could be even to what it for some it could be as simple as you know that you don't have what it takes to be a good mom for example and I love understanding fear from these three perspectives, because then you understand that on one thing, you need to work on confidence. And the other one, we need to work on self-esteem. And on the first one, we just need to work, you know, with uh, plain psychology in order to help you out that you are not going to be run out, you know, if you cross the street or if you have a phobia, but it just kind of also gives you the idea to empower, uh, empower yourself by understanding that okay, this is the fear, right? So this is something that's going on and now it has this outside story. So let me reframe and let me change that story.
1: This is, I really want to talk about this for a minute. I'm going to reflect back what what I'm hearing you say and you tell me if I've got this right. So one is a general fear, like I'm afraid of snakes, the end, right? Or, Or I'm afraid of heights or something of that nature, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we'll just call that general fear. And mm-hmm. the other two are more nuanced and, and fascinating to me. And I think it's so incredibly helpful, Kinga, when we can name things, because when we can name things, we can sort of call them into the light, call them what they are and handle them, right? It, it's when it mm-hmm. feels like this big presence that we can't name and it's nebulous and it's in the dark, that that's when it feels super overwhelming. So you've just given us a really, really important tool here. What I'm hearing you say is that the other two are basically the fear that you will be rejected, so you will be not liked, or you will be kicked out of the tribe, or you will be mocked in some way, and there, or, you know, there's derision involved or rejection. And then the third one that you said is, I can't handle this. I won't be able to survive or persevere in the face of this. And what I find super interesting as I'm as I'm thinking through this with you is we think of that, I mean, it's very easy to think of examples. I want to start this business, but I'm terrified. I don't think I'll be able to persevere, blah, 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 right? <laughs> However, I see people bump up against this fear of their own success, meaning I actually think one really interesting version of this is when we start succeeding and we start winning, And that is terrifying. Why is that scary, Kinga? Because, you
0: know, do you remember how I I opened up the explanation for the third level with saying you are afraid that you won't be able to handle what comes your way? And so when it comes to success, you know, it might be the fear that you won't be able to handle that you have to hire now a bigger team that you won't be able to handle to be in the light of, um, of people, you know, I mean, it's, I have another client and she has been working for a really long time, you know, to get to, to get to to big stages, you know, to be in the public light. Now she is in the public light and it's terrifying. You know, she's like, this is not how I imagined
1: it. (laughs) You know, I
0: don't want this, which is also fine, right? Because you can backpedal always on certain things, but it is kind of, it's the fear of the unknown. And I think what's really important is to understand that we don't know what we don't know and it's okay to not know what you're not going, what you're not knowing yet. And there's no way to actually figure out before you take that step, what it is that you don't know. And we call that simply risk. And that is the thing, you know, it's, um, I think that taking a risk is for so many, the key element in creating this fear of not being able to overcome the unknown. You know, it is this, what if I start my business and I get bankrupt, you know, like, will I be able to overcome that? It is the risk that you're taking. No matter what we are doing, we are taking a risk. You know, so if you're not taking this action, if you're not taking that step forward, you're still taking the risk because if you don't do this, what are the consequences on the other side? You know, we forget to think about
1: that. Yeah, the risk of regret. Yes, yes. And the the risk of not living a full life, and the risk of feeling like you missed a boat.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Let's talk a little bit about, so So, what do we do, right? Because you have shared with us that there's no such thing as being an unemotional being, you know, if you're alive. <laughs> so yeah. if we have the privilege of being alive, we are emotional creatures. It's how we are wired, but that certainly doesn't mean that we can't make logical and rational decisions even when we're afraid. So how do we interfere with that fear when it comes up for us, or whatever emotion, Kinga, I'm not trying mm. to box us in mm-hmm. here. Yeah, no, 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 no. But how do we how do we change the story or the pattern?
0: Mm. That's where thoughts, you know, and what you're saying, that's where words really come into action, you know. And I think that um, we need to talk a little bit also about the different layers of how to make good decisions because I think that plays into this, and it's really important. But what you have to understand is you need to first become aware of what you're thinking or what you're saying. And it is easier said than done, you know, that awareness piece. And I think that a lot of people are continuously talking about that. But just understanding that you're telling yourself that you are not good enough, for example, or that you're not capable enough of it or whatever it is, and then reframing. So, for example, asking yourself the question, so what, what am I afraid of? And then even if you don't know exactly what it is that you're afraid of, but you're just afraid because you don't know what's going to happen, is to look back and use actually positive psychology in that. And that means you look back at past experiences and see what you have overcome, you know, listing the things that you have managed to do. And with that, just reminding yourself, you know, in the past, I was able to overcome unknown situations and it worked out well. So it's about us to, it's more kind of like into which direction are you focusing your attention within your brain and which memories are you, you know, are you actively pulling out and visualizing? And it's sometimes it's as simple, you know, like I have a note in my phone where I list all my achievements. And so when I feel low or when I think, you know what, I'm not, I'm not good enough for this, or maybe I won't be able to do this. I pull out this list. I'm like, okay. I'm not recognizing this necessarily anymore as an achievement because now I'm 10 steps ahead, but I did, you know, like I was there. So it's, it's also kind of like a reminder to yourself to understand where you were, where you started and how far you have come. So it's, you know, so it's that, it's that mind shift. And I think that that is honestly the fastest and simplest tool for anyone to, you know, to gain the confidence in moving forward and taking that step.
1: I love the idea of having your own personal smile file.
0: (laughs) file. I like that. I'm going to write that down, smile file.
1: (laughs) Of, in fact, it's so funny. I used to have a file, like an actual file made of paper. <laughs> and, you know, so if I got a letter or a recommendation or something, it all went in the smile file. And just finding that just absolutely changed my chemistry, right? And mm-hmm. now I encourage people in the professional sense to make a list of their accomplishments. Keep a running Google Doc. Keep a note on your phone. And mm-hmm. whenever you get positive feedback at work or something of that nature, to capture it in that note somewhere. Mm-hmm. Now, what you're suggesting is taking that same logic and really expanding it. And I love this because we have already agreed as a collective that nothing motivates us more than witnessing our own progress. Like what is more motivating in the world than witnessing our own progress. But if you're human, you go blind to your own progress so quickly. It lasts for 10 seconds. That feeling that you can do anything or that feeling that when you've accomplished something, it's always, okay, but what about this? Okay, but what's next? The idea that we would keep track of our successes big and small is so simple. I love it.
0: The other day I was sitting with a friend of mine uh, and we were just having a a cup of tea and um, she has also a PhD and she, she works at the university and, um, uh, you know, is applying right now for her tenure. So, I mean, to really, you know, she's almost done with all of it. Like, and we were sitting there and she was just telling me a little bit about her family and we were talking about the differences. And she said, so she's not just the first one in her family that has a PhD, but she's also the first one that went to university and the first one that finished school. I looked at her and I'm like, so when you finished your PhD and when you did your defense, how did it feel? And she's like, eh, you know, it's kind of like, okay, I have it now. And now what? <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> and it is that simple. I'm like, I, I know how she felt because it was for me the same. You know, I, I defended my PhD thesis, which was so much fun. But then, when they told me, you know, you pass, this is it, you know, like in in Germany, the tradition is a little bit different, you know, but it was really beautiful. But like receiving it, I was like, uh, and now what? And it is. You know, it's like, come on. We need to also put that into perspective. Like, we need to understand what that means and give ourselves credit. And I think that while while it's so easy to give credit and you know positive feedback to other people, we're just generally, and I think more so women, honestly, we suck at it. Sorry for using that, but and language,
1: I think, Kinga, <laughs> so
0: but. I think it's truly based on this whole historic understanding of women having to serve others. So what you're accomplishing is just another tool that somewhere deep down in your mind, you need to now use in order to serve others. How dare you if it serves you?
1: Yeah. And also there's a dynamic that I have experienced in my own life and certainly witnessed in others. And that is that you have to turn down or you're under the impression that you must turn down the volume on your own successes so as not to threaten others.
0: Oh, yes. And you as a woman, especially as a woman, you don't want to be threatening.
1: I have been in that situation. I think that honestly, okay, quick sidebar. I think one of the biggest Elements, so to speak, that you can look for in a lifelong partner, should you be so persuaded or inclined, is someone who not only will not require you to turn down the volume on your successes, but they're turning the volume up. Like you are, you are not a threat. They want you to shine. Your friends, you should be surrounded by people who want you to shine. You know, you can't always get that in the environment that you inherit. So I think it's super, super important for people and particularly women, if we can be honest, to intentionally seek out that quality where people want you to succeed, they want you to shine, and they want to want to see you at the fullest expression of yourself. Once you start searching for that quality or understanding that you deserve that, it's really hard to unsee it. Mm. And I think it's life-changing when you can surround yourself by people who truly want the best for one another. So a rising tide lifts all boats, so to speak. That one change in my network and who I surround myself with on a friendship level and even on sort of a professional level, that's been an absolute game changer for me. This episode is brought to you by the Live Better Start Now Retreat, hosted by me, Ella, and held in Miami Beach, September 29th through October 2nd, 2022. I cannot wait to work with you, to eat with you, to hang out with you while we figure out which areas of our life that we want to dial it up. That's right. We have guest speakers. We have workshops. We have a lot of fun planned. If you're interested in being a part of a small group of amazing women, then sign up, but hurry up. Don't miss out on the early bird pricing that ends in June. Go to onairella.com and join this event today. I cannot wait to see you. Okay, back to Kinga.
0: Add to this something, you know, when, when it comes to tools, I like always to help people to maybe figure out like practical tools in order to kind of Figure out what we are talking about. So, like, how can you make that assessment? And you know, at the beginning of the year, I announced that this is going to be the year of non judgment. And it was so funny because everyone around me, they're like, oh, that's not a problem. We can do this. Right. So, we had the first dinner with very close friends, and someone is like, oh, this coffee is so good. Oh, this cake tastes so good. And I'm like, ah, no. No judgment. I mean, you cannot say like, you can say that you in particular like this coffee today, you know, or like it fits your taste or whatever it is, but we don't want to, because it's, it's those small things that then a prime, our fixed mindset, you know, continue building on that dualism that is happening within our brain, right and wrong, bad and good. We internalize that. And that's, you know, we're. When something is happening at work, for example, and you gave the best presentation ever, and you're so proud of it, and someone comes to you and just makes a snappy comment for whatever reasons, you know, for for whatever reason, and you take this on and you take this comment, if you're priming your mind to be flexible, to grow, then this comment is not going to be affecting you because you're going to understand, Oh, you know, he's thinking just on this parameter parameters It's just right or wrong. It's good and bad. Like there's nothing in between, but if you are allowing yourself to see life for the full spectrum, for everything that is in between snappy comments and judgment from other people are not going to be impacting you. And that's, that comes back to how you then see also your emotions, right? It's not going to make you ashamed. It's not going to give you a hot flash because you you feel like, oh my God, now you have to take everything back. You're going to be understanding that this person just doesn't have the same same view, but you protected yourself. You built this armor around you to understand that things like that exist. This exercise of non- non-judgment of like, for example, saying um, this woman is beautiful or this is a handsome man, you know, this is a cute dog. Like it's just an exercise, but this exercise can give you and just like in two short days, it shows you how much you are actually judging. That was, I mean, the, the January was hilarious, you know, because we were pointing it out and we, we stopped a little bit. Unfortunately, I think I need to really rekindle this That's whole idea. But it is, it's like, why do we have to label everything continuously, you know?
1: There are two things. That just lit up for me. And the first thing is, I'm sure when people first heard that example, you know, oh, this coffee is so good. Like, what's wrong with saying this coffee is so good? But I get it, Kinga. It's such an interesting intellectual exercise because you're making declarative statements. And what's clever about what you're saying is you're using what seems like an innocuous one to prove the point. So I'm going to take that same sort of example and share two things that just lit up for me. So let's say that you are at a tea party and you eat the best blueberry muffin you've ever had in your entire life. Right? Well, two things. One is you may have been conditioned to believe that that blueberry muffin is bad. (laughs) because it's delicious and it's full of sugar and carbohydrates, right? And so simple carbohydrates, God forbid, right? And so some part of you can't enjoy it because somebody else has made a declarative statement in your past and it seems so innocuous and it is so not. Food's actually a brilliant example on how we accidentally have moralized things. So then when you consume something, you actually feel shame. There are foods that we eat that can trigger shame. Let's just marinate on that for a second. And that is because of exactly the phenomenon that you're describing. Okay. So that was my first mind-blowing epiphany when you were saying that. The second thing is we also are uncomfortable claiming our own pleasure. So there is a part of us that is uncomfortable saying, well, this is just delicious to me. I love this. I find an enormous amount of pleasure in this blueberry muffin because we are so unaccustomed to expressing our own pleasure. And it comes
0: back and it actually, you know, brings this whole conversation into full circle. It comes down to two things. We believe that we are logical, rational human beings that are capable of being objective. Right. So me saying that you are having the bad muffin, (laughs) it's objective, logical, rational, you know, maybe even scientifically proven (laughs) instead of me saying subjectively, me personally, I'm not going to be having this blueberry muffin because I, for myself, have realized that I don't want to eat simple carbs or whatever it is, you know. So and here's the danger in it. Because we believe that we are capable of detaching ourselves from our emotions and our feelings, we believe that pure rationality or logic is possible, which in itself, I think it's, that's, yeah, I don't know who you should, I mean, you need to be really enlightened in in order to be able to, to, to pull that off. But with that, you're claiming pure objectivity, which we see that currently in any kind of political conversation, right? It's like, no, this is your personal experiences, which is also fine. But the moment we claim our power back, we understand that it's impossible for us to be objective. We become more objective because we now reflect actively on how we are subjectifying everything. So we teach ourselves to take some distance to it. And that's the reason I'm saying the simple example of saying I really like this coffee or this coffee tastes really good to me. Like really showing this is my perception. There's nothing wrong with your perception as well, right? If you're perceiving the world the way you're perceiving it, I cannot argue with that, but we need to be aware of it. And I think that's the moment also when you understand, oh, these emotions that are guiding us into specific directions, they are there then you have a fair chance to actually really connect with them and understand of who you are.
1: Kinga, I want to turn our attention now. We, we talked about how to make logical, rational decisions as emotional, alive beings. And you said there was a framework that is useful. What, what is that framework that you can share with us when it comes to decision-making, given who we are, which is emotional beings?
0: So there is a way to make aligned decisions. And I'm saying aligned because there is not no such thing as a good or bad decision because you don't know what you don't know. Therefore, whatever makes you move forward is a step forward. So it, it can't be wrong. You can just learn a lesson from it and then, you know, dive into a different di- direction from it. With saying that, I think what's really important is to understand that we are a whole human being. We are a complex machinery, right? We are something that is walking this planet and we are not just as simple as one part, meaning the rational thinking or the logical thinking, which is the same. That is certainly the area where we are most versed in because this is what we are being taught in school, you know, like and and everywhere. But there are six levels, um, maybe even s- seven, but like six for sure that help you to make Decisions that help you to be satisfied with no matter what the outcome is. I think that's the best best explanation for it. And this model is aligned on the on the model from Tara Swart, and she calls this the whole brain approach. You know,
1: I'm I'm gonna just repeat that back because it broke up a little bit. You're saying this is based on Tara Swart's work. Yes. Okay. Great. I'll link to that. Carry on.
0: Okay. Perfect.
1: And so it starts
0: really with understanding your emotions let's say you have you have a job offer and the job offer means that you need to move across uh, across country or you need to move uh, you need to move into a different country now how do you feel about this emotionally right that's the first first pillar like how does it make you feel excited afraid do you feel like you're going to be tearing apart your family or do you see it at, you know like does it feel like this is this is the right step the next part is the logical aspect of it, right? Does it make sense? Like, is this going to be making financially sense? Is this the next step for your career? You know, like, what is the logical side of it? Then of course we have the intuition, our gut. So what does your intuition tell you with it? Like, what was your first reaction? Yes. Yes. Or oh, no, if you don't remember your first reaction anymore, there are exercises that can help you to tap into your intuition very quickly. The next part is the, the creativity. Creativity meaning, what do you imagine? What could happen if you take this, this job? Like, what do you think? What, how is your life going to change? Is it inspiring you? Like I remember, you know, I um, got the other day a phone call actually from an institute that I use their tools a lot, and they were like, "We are we are looking for someone new to work here." And creatively speaking, oh my god, like my brain just lit up into all sorts of directions. I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to have access to this, 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 you know. But then, like, of course, you know, you go into the logic part and it doesn't actually make sense or whatever. But Just to kind of like be able to to tap into that. Then we have the motivation. How motivated are you to do this? Like what is motivating you? Because you believe they they just gave you, you know, the super six figure salary, you know, or they are going to be promising you X, Y, Z, and this is part of your motivation. Or, and then... See, inspiration is the seventh pillar. Maybe you will be working with someone that you've always wanted to work with. And then the last part of it is the physical. So how does your body experience this? You know, how are you feeling? Or are you sick? Do you have a migraine? You know, Whenever you're trying to make this decision and your body is actually not aligned with you that day, and you simply shouldn't be making that decision that day. So it's not just about this one aspect of, you know, I'm creating a list with pros and cons, which is the logical part of it. You know, how often have you created actually a pro and con list and you're sitting in front of it and there are 16 pros and just three cons and you're still like, I'm I'm still not sure if I should do it because there are other elements and other levels of making that decision. So I think it's really important, you know, for people to understand that, there are different aspects to you, and all of that makes you as a human being. So, why wouldn't we basing important decisions also on all these different levels?
1: This is such a robust process. You know, you're raised, at least in Western society, you're raised to in the logic modality, right? The logic pillar, if you will. Pros, cons, yes, no, rational. Then my experience, now other people, of course, have had different experiences than I have, and maybe they were exposed to creativity, you know, and that sort of thing. But my own evolution, then started opening up to, well, okay, how do I feel about it? And how do I think about that? But I'm only recently coming into really, you know, in the past few years, really leaning on my intuition and recognizing its role in these decisions. I think I've always taken the physical pillar for granted because of like, I feel, I physically feel things. And I think I've probably taken that one for granted because it's always been there. You're adding... Also, motivation and inspiration and creativity. What a robust way to actually honor all parts of ourselves when we're making a big decision. Mm -hmm. How does this help us manage the fear that crops up? Or does it? Is that not its job? Yeah, of course, it
0: will. Because let's say you're afraid. So you have a job opportunity in China. And it's an amazing opportunity from a logical perspective. You know, they are going to triple your salary. You're going to be an expat. They are going to be paying your apartment or house for three years, whatever it is, you know, so logically completely makes sense, but you have the sensation of, "Mm, am I going to be able to manage what am I going to be doing with the language and so on. And that's where you can actually look at the other elements of it and also, minimize the fear of the unknown. Yeah. It is specifically important when it comes to the fear of unknown, because you can minimize it and you can see the other aspects of it. It is a tool of becoming more aware. And then there's one thing with the intuition that I want to just uh, point out, because I think that a lot of people think that intuition is some, some sort of uh, airy fairy thing. There's actually science on it, how our brain is interconnected with our gut. And I think what's much more important than even that is the fact that serotonin or 90% of serotonin, so the hormone that makes us happy and satisfied, it allows us to be more connected. It allows us to make uh, more aligned decisions, you know, and all of that. 90% of that hormone is being produced in your gut. We need to Start trusting ourselves more than whenever we are feeling something within us to listen to it as well. So it's not just about intuition, but whatever it is, understanding that maybe, you know, the way you're perceiving a situation that giving you the time and space to maybe understand that this is not the right way you're perceiving it.
1: Yes. And that is about being curious instead of judgmental, right? Getting curious as to what. Is coming up for you as to what you're feeling, as to what you're experiencing, as to where that fear is coming from, just starts to open doors rather than close them. Mm -hmm. Kinga, this has been such a thought-provoking conversation. I cannot thank you enough. I suspect it's going to be the first of many, and I'm so grateful for you. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much, Ella. It it has been really wonderful. (laughs) It's like I could talk to you for hours.
1: It's super, super fun. This is such a gift. I've said this before, but there are some important interviews that we do on this show and they are interviews. And then there are some conversations that are equally as important, but they're just so organic. And that's what this is. So I thank you so, so much. And I hope that the person who has graced us with their ears today is feeling like they're sitting in on this conversation and more to come. So without further ado, I have to ask you one last thing, Kinga. Can you share something with us that you are loving right now?
0: Mm -hmm. Sure. Two things. Okay. I have actually two things. One, it's a book, which I think everyone should read. I think it should be actually part of of like school curriculum. The name of the book is The Women's History of Modern World. And it's just incredible. She is a historian, you know, that uh, has been teaching for a long time. And she put together this other side of history. You know, showing all the important women that just played a significant role, but we never really talk about them. And history just has tried to erase them also. So, A, it's so well written. I mean, it reads almost like a novel, it is just so clever and inspiring and empowering. But Makes you also a little bit angry sometimes, but <laughs> it's, it's a great <laughs> book. Like, seriously, I mean, she writes about, you know, how women were transported to Australia, you know, to give all the prisoners in Australia a woman and things like that. And like, we never heard about it. Like, what? You kind of, like no, yeah, yeah. You need to, I promise you, you need to read this book. It is just like, so it's really, it's really brilliant. And the other thing on a very light side, I am a big lover of, Creams and things like that, and just things that make me feel good. I signed up uh with Beauty Pie. And I don't know if you heard about Beauty Pie.
1: I have, I am a member of Beauty Pie. And by the way, this is not an MLM. Settle down. No, it's not. Sorry. No, it's, <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's a subscription oh. <laughs> and it gives you a discount. To beauty. Pro- okay. So, Kinga, I have done an entire um, mini sewed on Beauty Pie. I love it. I stopped talking about it because I sounded like a psycho. I love Beauty Pie. I need to find out what you're using because your, your skin is luminescent. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Sorry. And this is not an advertisement for beauty, beauty pie. <laughs> <laughs> no, but hey, if they want to advertise, come on over. We're fans. Yeah. I like, I love everything from them. I'm going to link to these books. I'm going to buy the women's history of the modern world. I'm going to buy that. I'm going to provide a discount code. Cause I'm pretty sure I have an affiliate link for beauty pie and it will give anyone who wants to try it a discount. So we'll do that. We are just here to stimulate conversation and have glowy skin. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> like, well, they're so sorry. No, that's what we're about. I'm all about it. Okay, Kinga, thank you so much. Tell everybody where you want them to find you.
0: Um, Sure. You know, the easiest way to connect with me is it's actually over on LinkedIn or on my website directly. So I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I do love always um, conversations. So feel free to also email me. You can find my uh, email on my website. So yeah, that is uh, the easiest. Another thing how you can connect with me is actually through the magazine that I just started.
1: I'm so glad you mentioned that because I was about to brag about you. I just got on Kinga's mailing list myself and I highly recommend it. So she has this beautiful quarterly magazine and I'm going to make that super easy for them to find too, Kinga. It's really, really lovely and useful and intelligent. So I will definitely make that easy to find.
0: And we have some super amazing and fascinating contributors. Really, I am. Uh, I'm so fortunate, you know, to have some women in my life that you know agreed to to be part of it. So mm-hmm. it's uh, yeah, it's just something that is growing, and I'm hoping to have you as part of it of the next one. <laughs> so that's
1: you got it, Kinga. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Ella. Thanks so much for having me today.
1: Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, find me on Instagram at onairwithella or get the show notes and links at onairella.com. There's no with. It's just onairella.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing the show. And thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.